Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. With Dr. George Fareed. And um, as I always make sure to clarify at the beginning of episodes like these, I am not a doctor, nor am I an economist, nor am I an engineer nor am I in the military. So whenever I want to talk about these things, I try to get on professionals from these fields. Individuals Mm -hmm. have asked me, why do I only have on the doctors that are opposed to the status quo treatment of COVID? And my answer is, is because those are the only ones being systematically censored and suppressed. That's the only reason is I want to know what's going on. It creeps me out that they've banned Dr. Malone from all social media And every time I have on a physician to talk about COVID and alternative treatments, I get the ban hammer. And to me, maybe it's just my nature, but that just makes me want to pursue it more. But because I'm a terrible host and I can't help but running my own mouth, please introduce uh, introduce yourself, Dr. Freed. Well, my name is George Freed. I'm a family practice physician in practice here in the Imperial Valley of Southern California. It was the region that was the epicenter for COVID-19 in 2020, March, April, May, June. And uh, we went to battle as uh, on the front lines uh, with the, uh, particularly my close friend and colleague, Dr. Brian Tyson, and, and through his urgent care clinic and through my clinic, um, taking an approach of uh, treating aggressively. But I, I'm a doctor. I've been I'm an old timer. I graduated from medical school in 1970, so well before you were born, <laughs> uh, Tommy. Yeah. But um, <clears throat> it, it's the worst thing I've ever seen in my whole career. I never uh, dreamt that uh, at the age of 76, 77, I'd still I'd have to take this uh, on uh, and continually be battling a year and a half after the onslaught. But I, I, that's about, I'm, I'm have an academic background. I worked in virology at, at Harvard. I, I was on the faculty at Harvard Medical School and then at UCLA. I overlapped with Fauci at the NIH. I could have stayed there like he did. And I'm glad I never, I didn't do that. But I ended up going into family medicine to make a difference in, an, in a rural area that was underserved and as it turned out, we became the center of the struggles against COVID. I'd been working on HIV for many years here in this Imperial Valley, and I knew a lot about virology and about how to treat viral infections. And uh, it became clear to me that the people making decisions, agencies uh, were not really on the front line and they didn't know what they were doing. And they were the viral treatments and medical treatments have to be early and aggressive if they can be. And we had effective treatments back then. And we, with my great colleague, Brian Tyson, we've had over 6,000 who have recovered uh, with early treatment and uh, avoided the long COVID syndrome and also 
not have to be not have to have been hospitalized. And so it, I was late to join you today because I'm getting called from people needing help from other states where they don't get local doctors to help them for the breakthrough infections of COVID-19 in immunized vaccinated people. And so there's, we can go into this at some point, Tommy, if you'd like, but uh, I, it's a tragedy of what's going on in effect. And I'm still trying to get the word out. Brian and I are writing a book that we should complete in the next week or 10 days. and. Hopefully we'll tell the story is about what should have been, what, what we did and what, what should have been done. Well, I would love to have you guys on for that book. I have on authors all the time on here. There's nothing I love more. Um, <laughs> Great. First of all, you look 10 years younger. I don't believe you. you know, I, I don't. I just, I'm sorry. I just got a call. Like I, I was born in 1944. Nonsense. Nonsense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, I don't feel 77, but I, that's the age. And, um, I don't plan to stop what I'm doing until I'm 97. That's beautiful. That is absolutely beautiful. That's, that's, yeah. Thank you. I have a red bull here. That he, <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Good. Sorry. Keep going. Keep going. Keep trucking, man. Whatever you're doing is working. So you don't need my advice. You're the doctor and you're the one who looks this well at this age. So you do you, man. For, so, well, you look like you're about 21. Well, I'm 30. You, so it's this. <laughs> you're, you're in the right track. This, Let's see. this episode is no longer about COVID. We are just going to compliment each other for the next hour. So everybody tune out because this is now our personal therapy session. We are going sure. to make up for each other's shortcomings. It's what concerns me more than anything. And I've said this a million times. I was a biology major. I got into medical school out of college, uh, university of Georgia. I graduated in 2013. I got into the university of Miami Miller school of medicine. Congratulations. Thank you. I, I decided not to go. I, I wasn't sure it's what I wanted to do. I, mm-hmm. I aced the MCAT 96th percentile. I published research in aquatic toxicology. I got into pharmacy school as well. It's, I was pursuing all of that, but and that's a whole nother episode for another time. Deep down, I just thought that maybe this wasn't what I wanted to do. And ultimately, I'm glad I didn't because I think I've found my stride in this. I say all of that to say I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I am a a champion of science. I love science. And to me, the idea of trust the science, the science is settled, don't question it, is the most unscientific thing in the world. You know, don't question it. The earth is flat. Don't question it. The sun revolves around us. That's not how this works. Joseph Lister, you know, don't question it. We don't need the antiseptic technique. That's not how it works. And what really concerns me is, hey, I get if someone's listening to this and it's me, I'm 30, I have a bachelor's degree and I'm talking about what should have been done with COVID and people are going, who's this guy? I get it. I get it entirely, which is why I try to have on doctors to talk about this. Because to me, there's something deeply concerning when no one is allowed to talk about any alternative method to treat this. Like if we're all in this together, which I think we should, we're all human. Why are we blocking all, you know, you don't, you don't wait till you have a heart attack, right? My father had a heart attack when I was in fourth grade. So I survived, but I learned very early it's time to start working out every day. I still do 20 years later. It's time to eat healthy, take fish oil, take multivitamins, do cardio every day, meditate, adequate rest, don't smoke. It's so I'm rambling, but I say all that to say it's, there's something concerning when we're not allowed to talk about anything. It's 
shouldn't we be using every method we have against this? And you, right, you, you penned a letter to President Trump and the task force about hydroxychloroquine. And what are your experiences with that? And what methods have you and Brian, if I believe, used to treat COVID patients, long COVID patients, and as you said today, uh, with breakthrough COVID patients? Well, we took a, an approach that uh, it was based upon research that had been done in the past uh, with hydroxychloroquine and, and, and findings from Dr. Zelenko, who's really an incredible clinician and hero, but, and Dr. Raul in France and, and their work in Korea with, um, to provide a treatment uh, that early on within the first three to five days and to uh, inhibit the multiplication of the virus. And so uh, we, we, we used a somewhat um, higher dosage of hydroxychloroquine and may, that may account for our uh, high uh, success rate compared to other studies. But all of the studies uh, were showing uh, decreased hospitalization and decreased deaths when one treated early. And for some reason they were being ignored or being criticized and uh, in any case, we just kept going because all of our patients got better and they their fear was alleviated. And and so there was no reason to change uh, what we were doing, even though the uh, the recommend the, the official approach that was being espoused was to do nothing and let people uh, slide down into their states where they'd have to be hospitalized. So that's what we did and continue to do. And if we, I would have thought by now, with uh, now we can we've refined the treatment uh, with um, the addition of ivermectin, and then one can add in fluvoxamine, other antivirals, agents that are repurposed, that are cheap, but very well tolerated and very effective. I would have one would have thought that there would be really extensive adoption of this approach in the United States and around the world, but there isn't still. There's still the uh, the attitude that one has to go by what we were told to do uh, from the beginning and that it hasn't changed from WHO and the CDC and FDA. And we, we've had uh, presentations to uh, in major groups. Uh, I spoke in the Senate in the first hearing on early treatment along with Peter McCullough, who's an incredible mm -hmm. clinician and leader in this area of early treatment. And, and Harvey Reich, an epidemiologist from Harvard, from Yale, who's um, again, an amazing individual and uh, knowledgeable who knew what to do and stated that in May of last year. And and so we, I thought that would, we would have gotten some headway with that. We published articles on, on the sequence multidrug therapy in uh, the, early phase of COVID-19. But uh, even now, today, uh, patients are calling me or texting me from outside of our, my area saying that they, they need my help and they can't get it locally. And and there's people just sat back, doctors are uh, in different fields, have accepted what they've done or what's happened. And if they take on our approach, they'll they'll be admitting that they they missed the boat and they've could have helped a lot of people that they didn't help. And that's, that's what, what they're, 
reality is, unfortunately. And now I was just in Botswana, Zimbabwe, and South Africa. And how do you feel great on vacation? Like really good? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sand beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll immerse yourself in natural wonder and find your center on an island where things move at your speed. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Uh, I could see around me the surging COVID-19 Delta variant and panicking to get vaccines and nothing else, not realizing that the best approach is early treatment. Yeah. And it's going to stay that way until this is over. Yeah. It's, yeah, right. It's, it's kind of like, uh, yeah, you're not allowed, again, you're not allowed, this is a bit of an odd example, but it seems I can't go an episode without using this as an example. I lost a sibling to suicide in 2014. And soon after that, I was on a, on a heavy benzodiazepine because I was just having crippling anxiety attacks. And eventually I went cold turkey off of it. My mom and nurse, thank God. But forever I thought, well, how am I going to deal with this anxiety? And then, you know, seven years have now gone by and it was, well, a lot of therapy, a lot of thinking about what happened, get back into the gym, start pursuing meaningful goals and meaningful relationships. And it's, and I'm not sure if this is the, if the, this is the best analogy, but it's this whole, maybe it doesn't exist in just a bottle. Maybe it's, there are more things you got to reach out and go to. And, and, and no one ever, and that's the thing is no one once ever stopped me. You know, when I told my physician, I don't want to be on this anymore. I said, great, let's, let's what else would you, let's try what exercise, meditation, let's maybe alternative things. And to me, that makes perfect sense because the doctor's there to first do no harm, right? They're up. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. It, and it, to me, it's so <clears throat> deeply unsettling. And I mean, not to be, not to, you know, be dramatic and pearl clutching, but I think it's evil. I think it's absolutely evil that that anyone would block any any use of any medication, even if they're generic and they don't make a lot of money, when the mm-hmm. end goal is to stop this thing and to help people. Right, absolutely. It's and and just, alleviate suffering and, and uh, get the economies restored and get uh, everything back to normal. It's should should never have lingered on it lasted this long or and looks like it, it's going to continue for a considerable period of time and, and there's uh, lots of factors involved in that and and the and uh, uh, part of it is this uh, fact the way our medical systems are 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 set up where uh, in the United States we have uh, uh, an agency that sets guidelines and standards of care and then uh, there's fragmentation and in in someday hopefully with our book coming out they'll realize that what should have been done is what uh, was done here in the little imperial valley with a urgent care center and and a clinic like mine and i work in that urgent care clinic so but let's just take that as the principle example of uh, what should have been done. There should have been fever clinic, urgent care clinics around the whole country, taking in patients, screening them, and starting them on early treatment, even whatever seemed to be working at the time. Or, 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 And that, again, was 
hydro and it still is hydroxychloroquine is an extraordinarily multifunctional safe agent it should never have been stigmatized and lied about and uh, and there were but let, let's just get back to that point that i want to make and that's that uh, a, the dedicated uh clinicians and personnel in a, in the urgent fever clinic if it had been uh, there had been hundreds of these, thousands of these around our country. Uh, we we would have been, and with treatment ongoing, we would have had uh, the patients uh, prevented, treated effectively, so they wouldn't have overwhelmed hospitals. They wouldn't have ended up on ventilators. They wouldn't have had agonizing ordeals and or and thirty eight percent fatality when they're on a ventilator, basically in the ICUs. And the um, long COVID would have been prevented. So that um, that's what we find if we treat early, the, the none of the patients have long COVID syndrome, long haul, or if they do, it's very mild. And, and it's, um, I'm, I'm a hospitalist, so I saw that I would be in the hospital in addition to the outpatient clinics. And I, I, I saw this horrible situation occurring where, and the problem is, is compounded because of our systems that I'm referring to where ER doctors don't know what we do in the on the front line and they don't respect it because they're they're told that it doesn't work or it's uh, dangerous they look for uh, alternatives that they can do which is intubation or respiratory care with uh, oxygen supplementation steroids and then they were given, and they still are in the, I was in the hospital over the weekend taking care of some patients and the, the, the few COVID patients that I had was assigned to were, were on their rendesivir IV therapy, which is worthless, really re, not effective and dangerous and very costly, but it's still being, that's what they were told to use and it's uh, received approval. So they, they don't have any reservations for prescribing it uh, uh, universally in the hospital setting and along with dexamethasone and, and oxygen. And, and uh, I actually had to introduce in that hospital um, approval for ivermectin about six months ago. And that, and that, that actually is even far better than remdesivir in my opinion. But it's the same situation where the, these patients that I was assigned and took care of on Saturday and Sunday uh, had no early treatment. And so it's still the, edu the uh, education of the public and of the, ge and the general population about this is, is still lacking. And that's the mainstream media, that's the naysayers, the people that are not, don't have empathy for what goes on. And it was like at our hearing in in November with the, at the Senate, where I was one of the, I was one of the witnesses for the Republican uh, Senator Johnson. <clears throat> the Democratic uh, witness was a guy named Jaw from Brown University who never treats COVID and just uh, mouths the the the, the negative information. Not, not really empathetic with what what's uh, what's practical, what's realistic, and what was necessary. It's, and I'm sorry if you can hear my stomach gurgling. It, 
like once every 50 podcasts for whatever reason my stomach gurgles and i'm so oh, no, I didn't, okay good I didn't perfect as long as you can't hear we're good we're good it's but to me i was just even in my short life born in 1990 i mean the idea that this one time these and i'm i'm not some you know screaming communist i think corporations are great i think it's it's what allows us to have this world i'm on an apple computer with a sony camera and you know it's <laughs> i get it but the idea that you know the idea that defense contractors who aren't going to make money in iraq or you know the idea that the banks that you know are responsible for 2008 or you know, every time you don't need this generic medication, right? You got to get the enantiomer because that one is still patented and you can make a hundred times as much money. The idea that all of a sudden all of that greed and those patterns of abuse have for the first time in modern history just vanished with the pandemic, that there hasn't been price gouging to me is so absurd that, you know, it makes it's it's right in front of you. It's like, well, how come we're not using ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine? And it's, well, those are generic and you can't make money. Well, and it's the perfect storm, right? Imagine you're a big pharmaceutical company. Imagine 7 billion people need your medication. Imagine that you cannot be held liable. And imagine that it will be mandated. And not only that, you don't have to pay for a three-phase clinical trial you get a free clinical trial with no no one can sue you. You've got a seven billion person sample size. I mean, it's, no, it, it's backfiring on them because of the adverse effects and fatalities. I had I've had two data. elderly people who died within uh, one to two two day one to two days after their mRNA vaccination, and but and plus uh, hundreds of others that have had adverse reactions that are uh, that, that they're struggling have to struggle to overcome. I mean, as of today, Monday, July 26, 2021, there has been, what, 11,401 deaths reported to the VAERS system just in the United States. I believe there's... Yeah, no, that's, that's... It's absurd. It's horrible. That should uh, take it. Yeah, no, the, the, and that's probably an underestimation of the number. Sure. But even, even the underestimation is absurd. Yes is absolutely absurd. 1,073 miscarriages, 10,000 deaths in the UK, 17,000 in the EU. (laughs) What's going on? No, it's it's insanity. It's shocking to me. And and again, I've had a long career in medicine and I would have never dreamt that I would be talking with you about something, these matters. It's abs- it's absurd. I mean, it's great for me. I get a I get a good episode out of it. But I mean, it's abs- it's absurd. Now, for doctors like yourself, and for Dr. McCullough or Zelenko or any of these Pierre Corey, any of these individuals, there's no. You guys are going to keep doing what works, right? You guys. Oh, this, sure. is, this is where I see the silver lining. You guys aren't going to be because right me. I can get censored off YouTube. I don't have an MD. Guys like you. You're going to keep doing what works. You're not going to let them push you around and say you can't. Like you're a doctor. You're there to you're there to save lives. You're going to keep doing this, correct? Yeah. Oh yeah. Thank oh, God. absolutely. Thank yes. God. Yeah. And and then I it it has a ripple effect in that it, locally, for instance, we've had a lot of other doctors who didn't want to prescribe early treatment, and they many still don't. Actually, uh, but they ha- now uh, monoclonal antibodies have become available that are paid for by the, by t- 
taxpayers. And so they're, they're, they'll feel comfortable just saying, go and get the monoclonal antibody infusion, which is a good adjunct to and a, a good, 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 good agent. But um, others have, have actually come and learned and seen what our results with, and they, they've, over the last six to 10 months, have started their uh, treating themselves with the regimen that uh, our protocol, for instance, here in the Imperial Valley. And that's, I'm glad to, glad of that. So there is some a change that occurs, but it should have been much more rapid. How much of it do you believe is, um, yeah, and another weird analogy, but I guess that's my hallmark for these podcasts, is you always, if you read through history, you go through history, you always find how these most basic human tendencies have these effects at the highest levels of things. Like you, you imagine, you know, you, when you're a kid, you imagine adults have it figured out and then you, you become an adult and you go, I have no idea what I'm doing. Right. It's I've had on an author here before Norman Oler who wrote the book blitzed about drugs in the third Reich. And you realize just how much, I mean, the ripple effects of operation Barbarossa and, you know, losing to the allies how much of it was dictated by like Hitler's cocaine abuse. And you go, Oh, these, these human flaws still occur at the highest levels. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. It's uh... yeah. how, how many or how much of it is a human flaw. It's you said earlier, if you start doing what you guys are doing, you then have to sort of admit passively or actively that you were wrong, that you weren't doing the correct treatment earlier. How much of that plays a role? Just, just ego. I think a great deal, actually. It's unfortunate. It's very sad, and and or it's just laziness or uh, or um, ignorance, um, lack of a willingness to accept a new approach and or some some change in in what you're doing, and just or just satisfied with leaving it for others to contend with in the right way. And that, for instance, at the uh, in the hospital when I've been there, and I've been there throughout the whole pandemic, and and I would try to convince the ER doctors to start early treatment when they got a positive uh, patient they were sending home, and they there was no inclination uh, acceptance of that. They would only try to find ways to uh, doubt or or uh, disclaim efficacy of early treatment that we were using and so it was a it was a brick wall and it, it is still somewhat that the, they'll they, their perspective is and that for specialists or intensivists in the in the in the ICU or uh, in the um, other uh, medical specialties is to go with what their what their agencies are stating what their American Medical Association or the Infectious Disease Society is recommending, and and it all comes down to this circle of empathy that they they don't enter the circle of empathy, and they they all they're not going to really understand or appreciate what what was the truth in all of this. Do you think from from my my ivory armchair? Do you think that there would be any way to sort of remove that? that ego right i remember in like for everyone hated it but it was my favorite class organic chemistry i loved it came to me easy i just i absolutely loved it it was just a puzzle piece it was like a game to me and 
I had friends that would like need help with it who were otherwise straight A students. And I realized so much of it could be your own ego. No one likes to, myself included, no one likes to admit that you're not good at something. And so I would always sort of, I would just kind of lie. I'd be like, hey man, I didn't get this forever. You know, I failed the mm-hmm. first two tests. I would just, because it's a white lie, it doesn't hurt anybody. And as soon as I said that, you'd see him kind of perk up. You'd be like, you failed the test. I'd be like, dude, I got a 30. Like, you know, I got a straight F, you know, best case scenario, got a D minus. And they'd mm-hmm. kind of laugh and I go, and this is what I learned after going back, you know? And once you could kind of remove that ego factor, people were much more, you know, they kind of flourished. It's like a flower. They kind of opened up like, oh, oh, yeah, sure. You know, it's you go up to a little kid and you're like, man, I used to be scared of the dark, too. And you see them, they kind of they kind of brighten up as opposed to you come up to them and you're like, you idiot. You don't know how to do OCHEM. Is there any way whatsoever? And maybe this is just doe eyed romanticism. Is there any way that you could sort of do that? in the medical field now? Is there any way that doctors, you could sort of give an opening for them to bypass that admittance of them being wrong? Yeah, I, I, th- I think we're trying to accomplish that. I'll put this down a little bit. Sure. Um, uh, you know, the, uh, I, I think that the consortium of, of, of physicians that we've, that are working in this fashion are, have been trying whatever, every way they can to get it through the establishment and get the the approaches accept uh, recognized and promulgated, but it's it, it's just shocking to me that it isn't it hasn't been accomplished yet. So we we have very arid people uh, that are espousing this 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 approach, uh, and from Harvey Reich and Peter McCullough and Pierre Corey and. And then many others that are on the front line that are publishing their results, and they uh, people just seem to not not be prepared to admit the uh, that, that that that's what should be done. Yeah, it's hopefully they'll change. It's you know, like right now, I'm using the uh, the I've done five. This is episode five eighteen. I've had this brand new camera for maybe the last 30 episodes and I've gone through phases of getting better and better microphones. And I find recently I've been using this camera less because you can see every little acne mole because it's so high resolution. And I decided the other day, I was like, I'm just going to keep using it because it's just what everybody has these. And it's, you know, I use this camera. You can see how bad I am at shaving. It looks like I assaulted myself with a dagger. But I don't know, maybe you have to just kind of own it and move into it. And I know you're a busy guy and I've got you for about nine more minutes. What, and, and by the way, you're more than welcome back on here a million times. I'd love to have you again. So I don't want to feel that it's all rushed. Oh, what, thank you. If you could get any, what, what is the most pressing thing in your mind? If I haven't touched on it or I haven't brought it up, what is, is there a, is there a fact or a, or a theme or a pattern or a, or is there a movement or do we just have to keep, I saw this cheesy quote, but I love it. And it's, you can strike a rock with a hammer a hundred times and it breaks on the hundredth time. That doesn't make the first 99 hits worthless. It's just, you never know when it's going to break through. Is, is truth going to break through this, this consolidate or not consolidated this, um, this coordinated censorship uh, program or campaign of blocking all, you can't talk about ivermectin, you can't talk about hydroxychloroquine, you can't talk about zinc and vitamin D, and you can't do all of this. You just got to take the new mRNA vaccine. 
Yeah, I know. Yeah, very good question. I, it's, uh, I don't know if there's a simple answer to that. I think that you're having people communicating like you uh, much uh, wider, more widely would be, would be part of the solution. And I think that uh, having people give testimonies of those that are, uh, that, that have recovered and that are, are, whose health is back to normal as a consequence of what uh, our approach has been is, is very helpful. I, I think that there, we, we just got off on the wrong foot. And I, I think that, I think there are too many countries like ours where we have one general um, commanding everything. And, and so, uh, and, and the, and then politics entering into it, but the, this one general that we have was uh, really, really uh, deserves a lot of criticism and uh, responsibility for where this has gone. And, and uh, he likes to state that what he did saved millions, but it, that's not the case at all. And that, and referring to vaccines, that we, because of this, this task force and the elements that were there and the, I guess you could have to include the CDC and FDA and academia. Uh, we put uh, we 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 set, it was uh, things were set up to suppress what was the pro, uh, and most important approach, and that was aggressive early treatment. And unfortunately, we're still suffering from that. But uh, the the. There is no way that vaccines have saved millions. If uh, they may down the road, I'm a, I'm not anti-vaxxer at all. Sure. I and I took the vaccine when it was rolled out for the uh, at the beginning in December, January, assuming that it would be very safe or at least that I, I could remain free of COVID-19 because of it. I have been throughout the whole pandemic, but I, th I think that's mainly because I. I've taken hydroxychloroquine once a week and uh, vitamin D and zinc, uh, but I've been totally immersed in it. And I'm, yeah. uh, I'm, a, I'm a high risk individual at my age. So uh, the vaccine I wouldn't take now knowing what I know about it. And, and I, and no one can say that, uh, that credit themselves for saving millions for pushing these, these, these uh, genetic MRNA and uh, viral vector uh, vaccines out at the expense of early treatment and of saving lives. And we, we would have uh, now you can look back at the conservative uh, um, estimation of uh, our approach uh, resulting in 85 to 90 percent reduction in mortality or reduction in hospitalization. Uh, instead of having 620,000 fatalities in the United States, we, if it had been done the way I said, with these fever clinics and our Tyson Fareed approach around the country, uh, probably no more than 60,000 fatalities. And, and around the world, it would be less than 300,000 fatalities as opposed to three, two or three million. It's so uh, we, we, we guided the world by what we did and it, 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 other countries took extremes like Canada and banning hydro, uh, early treatment and hydroxychloroquine and Australia doing the same thing and, and, and England and 
the Netherlands, they're Belgium. And and now, if I as I was saying, I was in South Africa and and Bots and uh, uh, Botswana, Zimbabwe, and near Zambia, where the surges are occurring and the panicking is occurring because of not not appreciating what should be be the main approach, a thrust of a treatment. And and uh, it's criminal. Yeah, it's criminal. It's, it is. It really is. You, you can take if you got to take a call. You're fine. Uh, okay. Hello. <laughs> yes. Uh, okay. Let me call you back. I'm in the middle of a meeting. I'll call you back. Sorry. We can wrap it up. Do you want to call him back? Okay. We can wrap this no, up. No, it's not urgent, but I, I can wrap it up. I don't know that I have much more to contribute. I can, like I said to you earlier, hey, I'm Thomas Patrick Kerrigan. I'm Irish. I got the gift of gab. I can do this for another six hours. I don't want to keep you <laughs> off. It's it's fascinating to talk to you, but I also know you're a busy guy. I don't want to keep you hostage. Well, I'm more than but, all right to keep talking. No, is, is there any other topic you wanted to, or a, a point you wanted to address with me? Just, just in general, it's... You know, virtually every person I know has the vaccine, all of my aunts and uncles, my parents, it, it, and as well as they should. They're, you know, they're all in their 60s and 70s. They should. They're high risk. I'm not someone that's this crusading, don't take it. I'm really not at all. I haven't taken it. I'm 30 years old. I've exercised. Yeah, I don't every recommend day. it for anyone under 30. Absolutely. Yeah. I wouldn't exercise every day for almost yeah. 17 yeah, I, I years. Think what one needs to know is early treatment, access that, if, and your natural infection is is far more effective for the long term, durable for years probably, and there really haven't been any super secondary second infections in people that have recovered from from the natural infection with COVID nineteen, and so I, I guess I would like to make one other point, sure, and that sure. is. I, I, I saw all of this uh, lack of support and it, it, it sort of what I call inhumanity and insensitivity and never no one ever reached out to me and, and no one has or did when, when we knew we could do something and we're doing the right thing back a year ago and or and more actually and and then to compound it by what's being found concerning the gain of function and the genetic engineering of the 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 cause of the of the pandemic quite clearly it is a genetically modified virus yeah. lab generated yeah. and there there's it's in, it's uh, it's uh, it's in uh, incontrovertible or controversial or or it's conclusive that their gen genetic sequences it couldn't have come from nature and to create a uh, a spike protein that could be cleaved in order to improve its uh, ability to infect uh, and penetrate respiratory cells. But in, in any case, that 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 uh, the people that were behind that uh, are part of the whole con uh, criminality and need to be oh, yeah. held accountable. 100%. And so, so we were fighting something that was created to be very dangerous for humans and it proved to be that way and it's still hanging around unfortunately evolving it and it's evolving because of vaccine selection that the variants are coming from vaccinated population and then they're able to 
spread further into uh, unvaccinated people. And uh, don't don't you dare say that on on the news that it's coming from vaccinated people. They'll have your head. Well, it, it, it's true if you one looks at the data from Israel and from other uh, other locations, other countries, and here in the United States. Which is again that, why I have on professionals like yourself and not me, because otherwise it just turns into he said, she said, Trump, Biden. No, there's mm-hmm. there's a science to it, and there's a bottom to it. Yes. There's, there's no. There's no, I'm right, you're wrong. No one gains from that. No, no, not at all. But I I just feel uh, I I, I hadn't been thinking about that until the the information was coming coming out. And to think that I didn't ever thought of these eco labs or whatever gain of function programs that uh, are... NIH has been behind for years and years would uh, would have been involved, but uh, I just was focusing on the on the war that we had with those infected, and uh, I just it's just such a terrible thing to appreciate now. It's absolute insanity. Mm-hmm. Um, let's wrap this one up, and I'll let you go, and you can call okay. me back. And I'll email you. I would love to have you on again. And anyone you know that would like to come on, whether it's uh, the individual you're working with, Brian, or if you want, I don't know if you could, I don't know if they would, if you want to have on patients who have recovered from your therapy, if they want to come on, they're more than welcome to. Obviously, that's private medical information, and I don't want anybody to feel pressured. You you know, actually, over the period of the pandemic, what I would do would be I'd make a short video uh, interview with the patient and get their it's odd statement of, uh, and, and, uh, I would put that on, on my Twitter account at George Fareed two at George Fareed two. So I have about a 60 or 80 testimonials and, and we're going to actually include those in our, as links to them, at least in our book. Beautiful. That's, it's, um, people have appreciated that. I'll put that in the description so people can go look at it. And, um, yeah, it's uh, as I said, my platform is your platform. Granted, okay, right, great. Right now, I'm Thank on my you. I'm on my fourth YouTube ban. I should be back in two weeks. My fourth ban for medical misinformation. Really? Is that right? That yeah. And, oh, yeah. I, I'm threatened also by YouTube. I oh yeah. I, I do just be honest and factual and get word information out, and and they they did threaten me with. Uh, per, uh, permanent elimination from YouTube at one I've point been, in recent. This is my fourth time off. I got two off, and then I got them removed, and now I'm back with two. All for, Are you? All oh, for having on physicians. To me, I take it as a badge of honor. I'm like, hell yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm I good. do too. Good. Yeah. It's, you know, it's uh, St. Augustine of Hippo. Truth does not need to be – truth is like a lion. It does not need to be defended. You just got to let it out of the cage. It will defend itself. Sure. That is what good I believe point. will happen. Dr. Freed, I've kept you okay. long enough. I will let you go. You're a very busy Bye. man. I will shoot you an email when this is up. Okay. I would love to have you very on again. Good, Tommy. Thank you good for your patience. You Thank, Thank you for so your time. Much. God bless. Keep fighting the good fight. You Thank too. you, sir. Thank you, you very much. Recording stopped. Bye-bye.